We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bearport Podcast. Yep, the draft is completely done, and now is a second wave of free agent signings here in the NFL. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Aaron Lemming. Aaron, it's been an eventful week or so since we've last talked with the draft going on and the couple of free agent signings here. How you doing, man? Doing all right, man. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely been busy, but that's good. I mean, it's our last little... Uh... Last little shot of fun until um, until whenever training camp starts at this point. I mean, obviously, there's going to be no sort of off-season activities that you guys can go to as the media and go check out. So, I mean, yeah, we're pretty much dead in the water until, what, about the end of uh, end of July at best? Yeah, the Bears pretty much are doing their virtual meetings for the OTAs with um, uh, over, the, over Zoom and Skype or whatever they use. But yeah, there, there pretty much won't be anything until I guess training camp is probably the best bet. And even that, you know, kind of might be up in limbo depending on how this goes with the whole coronavirus over the next couple of months. Um, you know, some states are starting to open up a little bit, but obviously the NFL has to open up their facilities fully for any teams to kind of go back and, and do their normal thing. So yeah, it'll be a lot of virtual stuff for the Bears. And it's kind of crazy because now we have their Bears draft class and typically either this weekend or the following weekend, they'd be going up to Hallis Hall and kind of working out with the undrafted free agents and then a couple, you know, one- or two-year players as well. But it's going to be a little different. Uh, it's going to be all video. It's like I think it's limited to a certain amount of hours per day, a certain amount of days per week. And that's going to be the new norm until about July. So, 
yeah, we have to take this news <laughs> as as we have it now because it's going to be a long time, like you said, until we actually get some uh, real football activities outside in the field. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, at least we get a good idea of the – you know, of what the roster is going to look like for the most part. Obviously, they're going to make some more free agent moves. You know, we'll talk about a few of those here in a few. But, I mean, yeah, it's uh, – you know, now's kind of the time to – and obviously that's only going to last a week or two. But now's kind of the time to go back and, and really look at – you know, their draft picks, some of these undrafted free agents, and kind of assess the roster and see maybe where they can make a Kevin Pierre-Lewis type move where, you know, they can bring somebody in that may not seem like an impact guy uh, as of right now, but may end up playing a decent role, um, you know, down the road in the season. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, and maybe I'm being a little biased. I don't think I am, but maybe I am here. But I look at the, you know, I look at what happened, what's happened so far this offseason. I think the Lions have absolutely improved. I think that they're still bottom of the division. I don't think Green Bay's gotten any better. Their draft was insanely weird to me. And then the Vikings, I thought, had a really good draft, but they also lost a lot of talent. Like, I just, obviously, it all comes down to the quarterback situation for the Bears. But I see nothing saying that the Bears – I think the Bears have improved in most areas. I think there's some that are still maybe a little questionable right now. But I don't see any reason why they can't be right in the mix for the division and right in the mix for a playoff spot here in the coming months. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think it's going to come down to that one position, as we both said last year. I think it's going to definitely come down to quarterback, um, whether or not the Bears can win this division and make a playoff run. And obviously, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be right now. It's either going to be Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. But yeah, I agree. I think the Bears got better. Um, I do think the Vikings are interesting because I think they had a really good draft. But like you said, they did lose a couple key pieces. And now they're going to be relying on rookies to kind of come in or free agent signings to come in and, and fix those holes. And I don't know if Detroit actually did enough to, you know, move up that ladder in the NFC North. I definitely think they're on the right track right now with this draft and and, and their free agency. But yeah, man, Green Bay's draft was just, man, it was just puzzling. And obviously the big move trading up to draft Jordan Love when they needed, you know, they had Patrick Queen on the board. Uh, they needed a linebacker. They had Denzel Mims as a wide receiver. KJ Hamler was on the board. And they opted, instead of giving their defense help, um, because remember, they did lose Blake Martinez from last season, so they had that whole linebacker, or giving Aaron Rodgers another weapon, they ended up going with Jordan Love, and then their next pick uh, was the running back out of Boston College, So, which they already have Aaron Jones, and then Jamal Williams is their second back. I don't know what they're doing in their draft, and it's kind of funny to me to to watch everyone kind of react to that draft, both locally in Chicago, Green Bay writers, and then the national media. And then following the draft a couple days later, it's like a couple Green Bay media members are trying to spin it as this is a good thing. This is going to work out long-term. I don't know. It was just kind of entertaining to watch that. And then today, you know, as we record this on Wednesday, Brett Favre came out and pretty much said that, you know, Aaron Rodgers really didn't, they didn't tell Aaron Rodgers that they're going to draft a quarterback, go this route, and that he could see this relationship, you know, fracturing down the line, which if you're a Bears fan, that's obviously great news because we've had to watch Brett Favre and Aaron, Brett go, we just had to watch the Packers go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back Hall of Fame, you know, quarterback legends. And, you know, who knows? Jordan Love might be a really good quarterback, but I feel like the Packers missed a big opportunity to get a wide receiver or even a stud on defense to kind of boost their chances because I mean, they, they, they were in the NFC Championship game. They're a game away from the Super Bowl, 
and they did it with that roster to come back and maybe try to improve it. It, it was just kind of mind boggling to see them with their first couple of draft picks um, in that draft. Well, I think, and this is my personal opinion. I don't think they did anything wrong by taking Jordan Love. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. He hasn't been the same quarterback the last few years. Granted, he's still a damn good quarterback. I'm not knocking him. He's still a damn good quarterback, but he's not the same quarterback. I don't see I don't see why them taking quarterback is such a bad thing. I think, especially with Jordan Love, and this is kind of my comp for him going into the draft, I was actually kind of, if the Bears are going to trade up or somebody was going to fall to them, I was actually kind of hoping it would be somebody like Jordan Love because – the thing with Jordan Love to me is, is I think right now he's bordering on that Josh Allen type of type of level right now. He's got amazing, he's got amazing arm talent. I mean, there's no way around it. He's got amazing arm talent. He's got very good athleticism. His accuracy is off. And I think, it, and obviously we're going to have to see, but I think the, the potential difference between him becoming somebody like a Josh Allen versus maybe somebody like a Patrick Mahomes light is going to be sitting back for a few years and developing because his decision-making and his overall accuracy were two big issues coming out of Utah State. Now, obviously, we're going to have to see how that works. So I don't mind, as far as being objective here, I don't mind the the pick. I actually think it could end up panning out, obviously. I'm not going to say he's as talented as Aaron Rodgers because I don't think a lot of people are, but I think following that same path that they use with Favre and Rodgers and basically sitting Rodgers for a few years behind Favre and letting him develop... I think that's absolutely the best case scenario for a guy like Jordan Love. Now, obviously, you brought up the other aspect of this, and that's Aaron Rodgers and his ego. Much like Brett Favre, he doesn't like this move. And there's two levels to this. One, you're drafting his, you know, hopefully for them, you know, their eventual replacement. And at the same time, you've got a hole, a huge hole at receiver where you have Devontae Adams, and then after that, who do you have? And that's kind of the that was the issue all of last year for them is they had nobody else. They don't need another running back. They didn't need to take Dylan. That made, that pick made no sense to me whatsoever. If you really want to get down in the nitty-gritty and start nitpicking some of these picks, the, the picks after Jordan Love is what made no sense to me. There was still some good receiving talent on the board when they picked in the second round, and they decided to go with a running back when you already have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But, I mean, obviously, as a Bears fan, that's fantastic. I'll take that every single day. But, like you pointed out, I think the the bigger issue here is that you have a strife with Aaron Rodgers in the organization. And there's been multiple reports come out. It's not just Brett Favre saying, you know, he's talked to Aaron Rodgers and he thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to finish career career up somewhere else and that this is going to cause some friction. I mean, it's uh, Bob McGinn. You know, he's been a Packers writer for a while. He does great work um, covering the Packers and great work covering the draft as well. And he was one of the ones that basically came out and said that this is a power move from, uh, you know, from their head coach and basically saying that, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur wanted to take control of this team and show Aaron Rodgers that he's not the one in control. And it, not even just with the quarterback pick, but with some of the other picks that they made. And then there's been some other reports saying that they're trying to go to more of a Kyle Shanahan type attack where they want those two or three running backs. And, you know, to a certain extent, I get that. But at the same time, when you have Aaron Rodgers, I don't care how old the guy is. You know, he's still he's still he's not in his prime, but he's still a damn good quarterback. He's still probably a top five, top seven quarterback. When you have Aaron Rodgers, you draft receivers and they, they didn't do that. And that's what is mind blowing to me. But again, I mean, you look at last year and this is this is just the facts of the situation. The Packers were one of the luckiest 13 and three teams 
in the history of football when you look at the metrics and how they won games and the different things that go on behind this, you know, go on behind the scenes, beyond the box score, stuff like that. So when you, in my opinion, they got worse this offseason. I mean, the, the two guys that they signed, they let Blake Martinez walk and they signed Christian Kirksey. Kirksey's a good player when he's healthy. That's the issue there. They let Brian Belaga walk and then they bring in Ricky Wagner. And Ricky Wagner, I think, is a sizable downgrade from Belaga. And then you look at what they've done and not filling other holes. I mean, the biggest hole that they had going into the draft was receiver. I mean, how is their offense supposed to get any better if you don't have pass catchers? I know some some of the Packers guys are saying Alan Lazard's going to take a huge step, but I just I don't know that you can really count on that. So I think, again, when you look at what the Packers have done, again, the Vikings had a great draft, but they also lost a lot of talent in free agency and some of the cuts that they made. I mean, let's not forget some of the guys that they cut. I mean, it's they cut Lin, Linval Joseph. They let both of their top corners walk. Um, well, I, I guess they cut Xavier Rhodes, and then they let Trey Waynes walk, and he got a crazy deal. But when you actually start looking at what they – let go on, uh, on, especially on the defense side of the ball. I mean, I don't see how this division isn't wide open right now. And I, you know, you can look at the Bears and say whatever you want right now, but the difference between them going 11 and 5, 12 and 4 last year was quarterback play. And realistically, I don't think that they've gotten any worse. Uh, you, looking at the defense, I think the defense is better. Obviously, you have a whole lot strong safety right now, or question at strong safety, but everywhere else is is really solid across the board. They've made some slight improvements on the offense. I mean, obviously the quarterback's going to be the big thing. I just, I guess my entire point here is I don't see how the Bears aren't in the mix. I think this is still a three-team race. You know, maybe Detroit surprises people. Uh, the biggest issue with Detroit to me is not talent, it's coaching. And I just don't think Matt Patricia is the guy. Uh, but when you look at the three teams of the Vikings, the Bears, and the Packers, uh, I think you could make a decent argument for every single team in that division right now. And again, if there's strife within the Packers organization, I mean, we've seen how things go when Aaron Rodgers gets pissy. And we saw that Mike McCarthy went walking out the door and, you know, we, we, we saw the different things go on there. So it's like if, if things happen in Green Bay, uh, things could get very interesting because then, you know, the, the cap situation with Rodgers contract because he's just now going on his extension that he signed. And then, like I said, the Packers, I mean, they're still relying on Kirk, the Vikings, sorry, are still relying on Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. And then obviously they lost some other talent. Again, they had a really good draft, but you cannot rely that much on rookies in year one. So again, I just think this division's wide open. And, and for the most part, I was actually mildly impressed for what Ryan Pace was able to do with the draft. And I'm sure we're going to dive into every single one of those picks, but for what the bears had to work with, I thought they actually did pretty damn well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's a long way away. I mean, obviously the move to trade up for Jordan love could obviously work for the Packers, but it's just a dynamic of, you know, like we both said, they didn't draft a wide receiver. They didn't get any help on defense essentially because Chris Kirksey is a good player. Like you said, when he's healthy. So it was, it was just mind boggling and it does create, you know, that interesting storyline of is Aaron Rodgers going to be happy? What's going on with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers? Definitely something to monitor. As for the Bears, however, um, we're going to get into all of that. We're going to talk about the two signings they made um, with the second wave of free agency. And they kind of go over their draft picks a little bit. And then we'll also um, welcome on a guest to talk about one of those draft picks. We'll, we'll have uh, Steve Bartle from Ute, or Ute Zone, which is a 24-7 sports that covers the Utah um, program, both basketball ba- both basketball and football. So we've got some interesting uh, notes on Jalen Johnson, um, one of the Bears' draft picks. But let's before we do all that, let's get into our first break of the show, and we'll be right back after this. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer, 
Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bearport Podcast. We just talked a little bit about the draft and, and the other NFC North teams, how they fared. Aaron, after the draft, though, there's that second wave of free agency. The comp picks formula is pretty much thrown out the window. Those picks don't really count towards the comp pick formula for 2021. So it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the ninth round of the draft or the eighth round is the undrafted free agent part. This is kind of the ninth round with free agent signings. And we did see a couple moves around the NFL. The Bears did bring in two players. On Tuesday, they signed veteran defensive tackle John Jenkins, who was a member of the 2017 Bears. And they followed it up on Wednesday by signing Trevor Davis, a, a speedy wide receiver and return man who was drafted by Green Bay. He's also spent time with uh, Las Vegas and Miami. Two kind of smaller moves. They're not going to get the headlines as a Tony Jefferson or maybe a Carlos Hyde, anything like that. Any of the bigger names, maybe Cam Newton, big name free agents that are still out there. However, they do kind of address some depth needs for the Bears um, as they look to get to that roster to 90. First with Jenkins, um, <clears throat> you know, it's a move he's primarily a defensive tackle. He can line up kind of anywhere on the defensive line if you need him to. I think it's a good depth move and a chance to have a veteran kind of be there and make the roster behind players like Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, Eddie Goldman, Roy Robertson-Harris. And then for Davis, I think it's just adding another speed dynamic to this offense. It may be a guy that can come in and compete and take some reps away um, from Trey Cohen at punt returner. Because I think the wide receiver position for the Bears is going to be very interesting, especially with the wide receiver they brought in from the draft. Not only him and Darnell Mooney, but you'll have Javon Williams and Riley really trying to battle for a, a position. Cordell Patterson's role should kind of be increased. Then you add in a speedster like Trevor Davis. And now here you got, you know, six, seven guys kind of fighting for the starting four and then maybe um, two bench spots, we'll say, depending on how the Bears want to go down with their final 53. You know, like I said, they're not really sexy moves, but they make sense for the Bears here in that second wave of free agency. And that's kind of the thing, right, is I know some people are looking at like, oh, they need to, you know, they need to sign a starting, uh, you know, a starting right guard or they need to do this and do that. The, The reality is at this point in time, the Bears aren't going to make any of those kind of moves, right? So I think at this point you're looking at depth pieces. Uh, with somebody like John Jenkins, I think it makes a lot of sense because you need to have some sort of depth for Eddie Goldman, um, you know, because usually you're going to keep five or six defensive linemen. So I think Jenkins makes all the sense in the world. Uh, you know, Obviously, a second stint with the Bears, I think that definitely makes some sense. And he's not a bad player. I mean, he played a pretty good amount of snaps last year. Uh, obviously not for the Bears, but he played a pretty decent amount of snaps. And then... Looking at Trevor Davis, Trevor Davis is the one that's actually interesting to me because, granted, he hasn't been a giant receiving threat, but he's also one of those guys as a returner um, and as a special teamer. He actually brings some good value. And when you're looking at the the the, the receiving depth chart for the Bears right now, um, there's two things that kind of lacks outside of two guys, which would be Darnell Mooney, who they drafted, which we'll get to, and then obviously Trevor Davis is one of the things that they're missing is speed. Um, the second is when you're looking at keeping probably, you know, five or six receivers, uh, you need some sort of special teams value there, right? And I think that that's exactly what a guy like Trevor Davis brings versus a guy like, let's just say, it comes down between Riley Ridley and Javon Wims for that final spot. You know, it's 
it's one of those spots where I could see very easily see Javon Wims being the odd man out. And I know a lot of people are going to look at it and they're going to say, I know a lot of people high on Javon Wims. Uh, last year, he didn't show a whole lot to me. And I think right now, if I'm looking at it from an upside perspective, I'm definitely looking more at Riley Ridley as kind of that guy to come in and fill the, you know, the that third receiver spot or whatever um, with Darnell Mooney. But he's one that's definitely interesting. But again, you know, outside of maybe and maybe, I mean, we got to see what happens. There's still a pretty good amount of veteran safeties on the market. They didn't draft the safety. Uh, to my knowledge, they didn't even assign an undrafted free agent uh, at the safety spot. You know, obviously, I think safety is really going to be only one where we could see some impact, uh, you know, in terms of pushing for a starting position. And even with that, I think that we're probably still a little bit away from seeing that. I mean, there's guys like Tony Jefferson, who's, I think, kind of the hot name right now. He's coming off of uh, an ACL um, and a, I think it's a PCL uh, tear. So, I mean, he's, he's still kind of slow in his rehab. Uh, he's going to be ready for the start of camp. But especially with the way things are going right now with, uh, the, you know, COVID-19, uh, there's really no way to get a team to have their own physicians go in and do a medical evaluation in the physical right now. So I think Jefferson's probably still a month or two away from signing at this point, which, OK, whatever. But there's there's a lot of names. Eric Reed, uh, Clayton Gathers is another one that the Colts actually, actually drafted when Chuck Pagano was there. Um, Rashad uh, Rashad Jones is another one. I mean, there's there's some there's definitely some names out there where the Bears can kind of take their time. And ultimately, I think that they're going to bring in some sort of competition because when you look at what they have at safety right now, I'm not a huge fan of Deion Bush being the starter. But even if you want to give him the first crack at the opportunity, I still think you need some sort of fallback option behind him because I don't think Jordan Lucas is going to do it. DeAndre Houston Carson isn't going to do it. Um, so I, I still think that that's a move that you probably want to make at some point. So that's kind of the only other position right now where I could say, okay, you know, maybe maybe a veteran inside linebacker. Uh, there's still a decent amount of names out there, but I wouldn't look for any impact signings. I mean, I'm not. They're obviously not going to sign somebody to the caliber of like Jadavion Clowney or something like that, or you know, whatever. I, I just don't. Or even like a Marcus Golden. I don't think that those kind of moves aren't going to happen at this point in time. So I think you know, keeping expectations realistic and understanding that it's probably going to be more of role players. They're going to push for bottom of the roster opportunities um, versus any impact starter outside of maybe safety. Yeah, I mean, they have 88 as it stands now with the two signings. So they have two more roster spots to fill for their offseason program. And you're right. I mean, the medicals is the big concern on Tony Jefferson. That's why a guy like Cam Newton's not being signed right now either. You can't get your own doctors in to do the medicals. It's kind of hard to tell where a player's at. It's almost like you have to take their true word for it and maybe have their doctor um send something over but yeah I, I don't expect any more big impactful signings either i think tony jefferson would probably be the big one um a safety like eric reed as well something like that i i look and i think you know if the bears were to make another big you know quotes splash move there it would have to be at safety to add some more depth but they do seem kind of comfortable with what they have going um with their free agency signings as you said they didn't even address safety in the draft and they didn't bring in an undrafted free agent safety. And there was a couple good safeties still out there that went undrafted maybe as, you know, as projects, but Ryan Pace decided not to go that route, not to go quarterback route either. Um, but yeah, that would be the one position I would expect to move. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think we're going to see kind of two more, more lower risk signings as, as we have the past two days, two guys, maybe veterans that can come in and, and compete for um, roster spots. But let's break down the draft really quick here, Aaron. Um, 
So yeah, it was another eventful one for the Chicago Bears. They didn't have a first-round pick, so their first pick didn't come until Friday at number 43 overall when they selected tight end Cole Komet on Notre Dame. And then a couple picks later at number 50 overall, they opted to address a need on the defensive side of the football. And this is probably my favorite pick of the entire draft, um, defensive back Jalen Johnson out of Utah. At first, I was a little shocked. I, w- I wouldn't say shocked, shocked, but like I was a little surprised they took Cole Komet just because um, – I thought, you know, there was other talent there, especially at wide receiver. Um, a couple offensive linemen were there. However, you know, looking back and reading what Ryan Pace said, the release of Trey Burton, the timing of everything, I don't think we should have been surprised with the whole Cole Komet pick. And then as a night went on, we saw there wasn't another tight end draft until I think mid-third round. There definitely wasn't one in the second round. I believe it was mid-third round um, where, the, where another team took a tight end. So the gap between the top tight ends – in this draft was just enormous. And, um, you know, Komet's also a player that some analysts saw going first round, you know, late first round. He ends up being the pick at number 43 for the Bears. He has another interesting dynamic to the offense. Um, you know, the, the roster's loaded with tight ends right now. Uh, that will obviously be cut down. I expect Eric Adam Shaheen to be gone. Eric Saubert, players like that will be eventually cut off after the offseason workout programs. What did you think of the Bears' first day overall, um, especially seeing a lot of people criticize the Cole Komet pick? Well, I think there's there's two kind of ways to dissect this, right? One of them is looking at it and saying, okay, you look at Komet and you look at Jalen Johnson, right? And you say, okay, you got two week one starters there. I mean, you got two week one contributors, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Komet's not going to start over Jimmy Graham. They're not playing the same. They may be playing tight end, but they're not playing the same role. Komet is going to be the Y tight end, and Jimmy Graham's going to be the U tight end. That's just in in the Bears' offense that is good to have. I mean, they're not going to have the same tight end issues that they had last year unless, you know, injury strikes and so on and so forth. So my thought with Komet is, you know, so you look at it from, you know, a, a day one contributor standpoint, I think they did well. When you look at the Komet pick as a whole, um, I personally think, and I think you would agree with this, and I think a lot of people would, there's a lot of good talent on, on the board that were probably a higher value overall. And that's kind of goes back to the whole best player available crap to me because, you know, it's just one of those situations where they, you know, they weren't going to go out and draft an edge rusher. You know, they, they already have, you know, two really good starting edge rushers. They weren't going to go out and draft at a, you know, a, a strength and you know throw that there they were looking for need and obviously you know Komet was a need at tight end Jalen Johnson was a need at corner I do think that I would have preferred to see them going in a different direction but I do understand why they took Komet Komet's one of those guys where he doesn't have a crazy high ceiling Uh, I think we've talked about this multiple times I've said it multiple times this is a weak tight end class I mean there's just no way around it whether you looked at it and you saw guys like Bryant um, and, you know, even even a guy, uh, you know, the guy out of Purdue, Bryson Hopkins, where, okay, you know, maybe they have a decently, you know, they have a decently high ceiling, but you, then again, you know, it's like size is a concern with those guys. Medicals was a concern with Bryant, you know, and then it's, you look at it and there's just, there was kind of holes all of this tight end class, whether, you know, there was, I guess, Komet became the consensus overall top tight end. Um, and again, I, I see it and I don't think it's a bad pick. It was just kind of more, it was an underwhelming pick more than anything. I think when you look at Komet, at least for me, he's a big dude. He's six, six, he's 262 pounds. I mean, he's, he's a big dude. 
Um, he's only a one-year starter. He's a damn good athlete. I mean, he got drafted by the White Sox in the fifth round. It, it, there's some talk that he could throw a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. I think I was reading somewhere where somebody had actually comped him to, like, Aaron Judge as far as a baseball player. He's a good athlete. Um, with that being said, I think that his ceiling is kind of – I think his floor is pretty safe, but I think his ceiling is kind of – you know, it's it's just not really there to where I, I don't think he's ever going to be like a George Kill or a Travis Kelsey. I don't think those those comps are, are fair, and I don't think that's the kind of player that he is. But I do think that he definitely has some Jason Witt in his game. I think the 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 most recent comp, and it's kind of you know some people will view it as lazy, but I think when you look at him coming from the same school, I think turn into Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I, I think that's about his ceiling. And hey, if that's the case, you know, getting a second round tight end like that, then cool. Uh, as far as Jalen Johnson goes, man, I that was about as good of a pick as you could make at 50, in my opinion. Um, I, you know, you look at it and you look at the corner was a need. Defensive back as a whole was a need. I thought they would go safety uh, just because I thought, you know, safety talent was going to be, you know, more on the board than corner. But for the most part, I mean, Jalen Johnson was a, you know, a cornerback three or four for most teams. I mean, there were, and there were some, David Arnett went uh, way earlier than he should. Uh, there were a few different picks in the first round that it was kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, you know, some of these guys went a little earlier than they should. I thought Jalen Johnson was absolutely a uh, round one talent. I think that the only thing that really helped the Bears in that situation was the fact that he had the uh, the labrum issue. And, you know, he had I think he had a shoulder issue on both both arms over the last like four years or whatever. But. I mean, the dude started the last two years. He was very productive. Uh, he's got good size, makes a lot of a lot of plays on the ball. Six interception and fifteen pass breakups over the last two seasons. He's very physical. Uh, he recovers pretty damn well even after he gets beat. Um, very versatile in terms of man and zone. Um, you know, he's just one of those guys where you know I think obviously him and uh, him and Kevin Tolliver will definitely battle it out for the the, the starting spot. You know, opposing. Uh, Kyle Fuller, but I think when it's all said and done, I think as long as Johnson's healthy, and that's always been the goal, that's why he got the surgery when he did after the combine, as long as he's healthy, I mean, the Bears got a really damn good corner. I'd actually go as far, and I've, I've said this a few times, I'd actually go as far as saying that I think that Jalen Johnson is a prospect coming out of Utah is actually a better prospect overall, especially for the scheme fit, than what Kyle Fuller was coming out of Virginia Tech. So I really like that pick. Again, overall, day one, uh, day two, I mean, when you look at what they had to work with, I mean, they came away with two week one contributors and two guys that, you know, I think Jalen Johnson has a very high ceiling, and I think that Komet has enough of a ceiling to justify the pick. And like I said, he's got a low enough floor to where I think that he's going to at least be a solid contributor for you for the next four years of his rookie deal. Yeah, pretty much what it came down to is Ryan Pace went after two needs, and he took the two players that he thought best fit those needs. Um, sure, he could have waited until day three or day t- you know later on to get another tight end. But like we said, I mean, the drop off between Komet and the next guy was not very was was large. I mean, it was large. It wasn't even close. And yeah, you could argue maybe someone like Adam Troutman might have fit better. I don't know. I, I'm fine with the Komet pick. I was a little weary of it when it first happened, but going through watching some more highlights and kind of breaking them down, I understand why the Bears did it. And, and like you said, he's not going to be the same as Jimmy Graham. They're going to be able to use two tight ends. They have a blocking tight end, inline blocking tight end. They're going to have a receiving tight end. So Komet fits it. And yeah, I'm with you on Jalen Johnson. I think he's going to be a stud defensive back. And if he pans out to have that that pairing of Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, it's going to be really good in, their, in the Bears' secondary. Day three um, was a little bit of a different story um, for the Bears. Ryan Pace, you know, made a move. The Bears didn't have a fourth-round pick. 
They weren't going to pick until round five. And he decided, all right, I can't wait much longer. Traded up a couple spots, gave up a fourth rounder in 2021, and went out and got Travis Gibson out of Tulsa, a uh, pass rusher to give some pass rushing depth behind Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn. I think the initial thought from fans was, why are we addressing you know the pass rush? We don't really need it. We have two really good pass rushers. However, if you listen to this podcast before, I think the last episode, Aaron said it, the Bears virtually got nothing behind Cleo Mack last season and Leonard Floyd. I mean, Isaiah Irving was very quiet. Aaron Lynch was quiet. They didn't have much back there. To address the pass rush was huge. And I, and looking at a player like Gibson, you know, he'll come, he's been at the Von Miller Sack Summit camp. Um, he'll get to learn a little bit behind Cleo Mack and, and um, Robert Quinn. He's not a guy that they're expecting to come in and start right away. Having him sit that year and kind of learn, come in on pass rushing situations at times, and then maybe next the following season as well should help his game. I, it's a fifth round pick. I think the Bears could recoup a fourth round pick if they need to with their scheduled three count picks that they're supposed to get. Um, so yeah, if, if they do that, I don't think it's that big of a move. The other ones were uh, they drafted defensive back Kendall Vilder out of Georgia Southern in the fifth round, and they traded up again. Eight spots, I believe, to draft Darnell Mooney out of Tulane, a wide receiver. And then they finally addressed the offensive line um, with their two seventh-round picks, number 226 and number 227 overall, by drafting Arlington Hambright and Lachavius Simmons. Two really good names in this draft that uh, you couldn't have asked for back-to-back picks name-wise. So, yeah, Aaron, what what are your thoughts on the day three picks um, with the Bears addressing Defense twice and offense with three players. Well, I think when you look at uh, when you look at round five, I actually thought it was a pretty pretty bold choice on Ryan Pace's part. Now, originally, when I saw the trade with the Eagles when they traded up and for Travis Gibson, kind of looking at, it, I was like, man, Ryan Pace has got to stop giving away future picks. But then that was originally when I thought that they traded, um, you know, one of their. I think it was basically one sixty three. And next year's fourth round pick. Now that you know, and then as soon as it came out that not only did they have the pick that they took Gibson with, but then they had the other pick. It's like okay, it made sense. And then obviously the last fifth round pick that they had when they traded basically 196, 200, and 233. So they basically traded away both of their sixth and a seventh, but they got back a seventh in in return. That made a lot of sense to me too, because I mean, just look at last year. I think last year's a prime example when you look at what they did in the sixth and seventh rounds of the draft. And how those guys basically had virtually no impact on the raw. I mean, they they had one. They, you know, they had a running back that they drafted that didn't even make the roster, and then ended up going over to Pittsburgh and actually, you know, playing decent. You know, so it's like you look at that and you you look at you know Ryan Pace's history of fifth round picks, and Adam Hogue actually wrote about this. Uh, um, not too long ago with NBC Chicago, and he basically talked about how, you know, Ryan Pace is batting 750 with his with his fifth-round picks right now, so why not, you know, throw three more into the fire and see what happens? I think Gibson makes a lot of sense because this is something that we talked about before where, you know, obviously you have Khalil Mack and you have Robert Quinn, but you need a cheap alternative behind him. You need somebody that has more of a pass rush potential then a guy like Isaiah Irving, then a guy, um, you know, whatever else they have behind him at this point, Barkevius Mingo, the same thing. He's not really a pass rusher. 
Uh, I think Gibson's actually got, you know, a decent ceiling to where even if he's just a rotational guy, I think he can bring you three, four, you know, a good season, you know, you know, maybe five, six, seven sacks a year. So I think that pick definitely made some sense. He's got really good length. Um, you know, he, he comes from a good, uh, good athletic background. I think Bill Doerr is another pick there where uh, you're kind of going for that small school, uh, you know, upside there. And he's kind of he's somebody that I think because of his size, he's probably going to end up pushing for probably, you know, the nickel spot. But, man, I mean, you look at it and, and it's something I tweeted about earlier. It's like you look at both of their cornerback picks and both of those guys got a lot of swagger, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of aggression. And they're both playmakers. So I think that makes sense. Darnell Mooney was probably my favorite pick of the, the fifth round just because I think the Bears really needed to replace Taylor Gabriel and maybe have a little bit more of a deep threat with some good speed. Darnell Mooney ran a, you know, four, three forty. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely, I think he's kind of like a KJ Hamler light. I mean, I was definitely a KJ Hamler fan. Obviously he went a few picks before the bears picked at 50. He went to Denver. Um, he's somebody that definitely, I, I think can actually slot in, um, you know, from week one on, not with a huge role, probably 30, 40% of the snaps, but I think he's somebody that can be a weapon on the offense. And then you look at the, uh, the offensive line picks, uh, I, what I will say is I think that Arlington Hambright is one of those guys where I think that it's probably going to take him a year or two to really develop into because he played he, he played offensive tackle with Colorado. He's not a very bulky guy. Uh, I think he was about 306. So he's definitely going to have to add some strength. I think he's more of a practice squad developmental kind of guy where you hope in a year or two we can put it on enough strength and enough bulk to be able to play the in, you know play inside. Uh, Lachavius Simmons is the one that's very interesting to me. Small school, Tennessee State. Uh, versatility is big with him. He can play guard or tackle. He's a mean dude. I don't know how much uh, how much you've seen of him or how much anybody else has seen of him. That dude puts some guys. I mean, he 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 is he is a pancake specialist. Obviously, playing playing against uh, you know a little bit lesser competition. But uh, I think his, his, his footwork was actually above average, especially from coming from a small school. Uh, he's got good length. Um, he's your ideal guy where I think that – and I'm not going to make the comparison and say that he's going to be Charles Leno, but I think when you're looking at the seventh round of offensive linemen, I think that he's one of the guys that very worst. I think he can be a depth piece for you over the next few years and give you at least somebody where you're not having to go out and sign you know, a, a veteran or whatever to play swing tackle or you know, offensive line depth. But I think when I look at those two offensive linemen that they took in the seventh round, I really like Simmons is a developmental guy overall. But I think that he's somebody who it honestly wouldn't shock me to see him break uh, break camp with the team this year. And I, I think that he's going to be the better of the two offensive linemen just because I think his athletic profile and his size overall um, project a little bit better. I mean, he may be a little bit more raw because of the uh, lack of competition that he faced at Tennessee State. But I definitely think that he has a higher ceiling of the two. And in the seventh round, again, I mean, those are kind of, you know, I hate to say, but they're kind of throwaway picks. I mean, those are kind of the picks that you make when maybe you don't want to chance him going to undraft a free agency. I mean, that's the same thing we saw with uh, Anthony Gordon and uh, the same thing with uh, the, the other quarterback, uh, Denucio or whatever his name was. You know, the Bears that actually had contact with Denucio. Sorry, Anthony Gordon did become an undraft free agent. But with Denucio, the Bears had actually contacted him saying, hey, we really want to bring in as an undrafted free agent. Cowboys went out and they used a seventh round pick on him. These are the kind of guys that you use those seventh round picks on because you don't want them to hit undrafted free agency and then risk not signing them. So, again, if neither one of these guys work out, it is what it is. But, you know, even if you get a backup lineman out of one of Hambright or Simmons, I think it's going to be more likely Simmons, uh, then you're in really good shape. And if he develops into a starter kind of like Charles Leno Jr. did, then, I mean, that's even better. 
Yeah, and talking to them post draft, I mean, I believe it was Simmons that said he liked to, he likes to play really physical, play to the whistle, and, and get his job done. And I think that's what the Bears are going to need in the trenches. I, I really like him as a prospect going over the last few days and reading about him and, and, and looking over some some of his highlights, the limited highlights that are out there. He looks like that big physical offensive lineman that the Bears that, that likes to get nasty. Someone I thought we'd get in in you know Rashad Coward last season. Uh, we'll see if either of them make the team, though. But like you said, I mean, they're they're kind of almost throwaway picks where um, you just don't want them to get to undrafted free agency. Maybe take a shot on them, uh, bring them in your building, and, and hopefully you strike gold. I love the Mooney pick. This is probably my second favorite pick of this whole draft. Uh, I've been calling for speed aspect in this offense for a while now. They need a dynamic playmaker. I think they found one here um, in Mooney. Look at his tape. He needs to work on his hands just a little bit more. But, man, he's got that 4.38 speed, and he said he thinks he could have ran it faster at the combine, which is wild. And if he pans out, this Bears offense could be high-flying next season. Let's get into our interview um, with Steve Bartle of Ute Zone, the 24-7 sports site that covers Utah. We're going to learn a little more about Jalen Johnson, and we'll be back after this to wrap it up. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is a very special guest, Steve Bartle, the managing editor of UteZone.com, a 24-7 sports site that covers everything Utah athletics. He's here to give us some insight on new Bears defensive back Jalen Johnson. Steve, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here to talk, you know, you guys' new cornerback. So I'm uh, excited to be here and and uh, and just and talk about him and his game and how he how he looks to project. Yeah, so I guess the first thing I'm going to ask you here is, uh, what should we know about Jalen? Well, he's good. Uh, that's probably <laughs> bullet point number one. You know, he's a good football player, but uh, man, Jalen Johnson. So I covered him even before uh, you know he joined. Utah I, I cover the recruiting for for Utah football with 24-7 sports and I was able to you know build a pretty good relationship with Jalen Johnson during his recruitment and um, you know this is a kid that um, the that just when he sets his mind to something uh, he's going to do all that he can to accomplish you know whatever his goals may be and you know this was this was something that you know was part of the plan with him coming to Utah was uh he was going to come in he was at the time he was Utah's highest graded highest rated uh commit that they have ever signed in program history and so the plan was hey you're going to come here you're going to start for 30 years you're going to do your thing and you're going to go on to the NFL uh and that's what really sold Jalen um, you know, on Utah and, and cornerbacks coach Sharif Shaw in particular was just that they had such a detailed map for him graduating him, you know, playing and, and the way that he fit in Utah's scheme was, um, was, uh, it was a great fit uh, in that regard as well. And John and, and Jalen came in ready to go from the get go. Like he came in physically ready. Uh, there were pictures uh, of him, you know, working out in high school where, you know, he looked like a linebacker. Uh, he was just, he was ready to go. And, uh, and that focus, that uh, determination never, never relinquished. He never softened his view or anything like that. He always carried himself like the best cornerback, uh, you know, on the team, in the conference, that type of thing. And, and it, it, it came through in his play, you know, for the three years that he was at Utah. So the, the biggest thing to understand about Jalen is that, 
you know, he's a very determined player. He's very focused on his goals. And when he sets his mind to something, uh, he's, he's going to accomplish it. I'm glad you said that and brought that up because we got to talk to him uh, Friday night after he got drafted for, you know, 10 minutes. And the one thing I kind of took away from his first meeting with Bears media was the confidence, the confidence just off the chart with him. He came in, he said, yeah, you know, I want to be the best player I can be. I want to bring a Super Bowl to Chicago, things like that. And then fast forward to today, a couple of days later, he was actually on the radio here on ESPN 1000 with Carmen and Jerko. And he said he has three goals for the upcoming season become a starter, win rookie defensive player of the year, and win the Super Bowl for the Bears. For me, I think fans are going to love that here in Chicago. And what you said with the confidence, um, how he sets his mind out and, and accomplishes a goal, that's very positive. And uh, is that something that kind of you saw this whole time at Utah? Was it, you know, he was he kind of towing the right line of, you know, being confident and not kind of cocky? Yeah, you know, with, with Jalen, it was always confidence. It was, you know, and, and being a cornerback, you kind of have to have a little arrogance, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're going to be challenged here and there, but, you know, when you're, you're matched up against typically the team's best pass catcher and receiver, like, you, you know, you, you've got to have uh, a short memory. Uh, and, and, you know, going out th- throughout his career, like he was never really challenged. Like there was never a game where, you know, it felt like he was outmatched uh, and he made plays against some of the best receivers in the Pac-12 conference. I mean, we're talking Dylan, Dylan Mitchell at Oregon. Uh, we're talking the kill Harry at Arizona state, who was a first round pick last year. Um, you know, and so he's, he's always played well against these guys and, uh, and he just has that confidence of a player that expects the best that expects, you know, uh, to, to bring his best. And it's because he's so willing to put in the work. And I think that's where the confidence comes from. It's not that it's, he's this God given talent uh, to, to the game of football, but he understands the work that is required of him. And he goes out, he practices uh, and, and prepares uh, to feel confident on the field, to feel ready to go and to feel uh, like he's got uh, you know, a leg up on the competition because of the preparation that he puts in before, uh, you know, game day and that kind of thing. He's going to work his tail off to be the best that he can be. So, yeah, absolutely. Jalen is definitely a very confident person, uh, but it's not it's not cockiness. It's not, you know, uh, this self-inflated ego. Um, it's It's warranted because he puts in the work and he puts in the effort to – you know, validate that that kind of that kind of confidence and that kind of swagger. Yeah, I think they'll fit in well with um, with the Bears defense because you know they have guys like Eddie Jackson, Cleo Mack, uh, Danny Trevath, and Roquan Smith. Those are really good players. You can tell they're very confident. They're not cocky either. They let their play do the talk for them. And um, you know, it, 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 I feel like he'll fit in very well with that type of style here in Chicago. I was doing some reading on uh, Jalen, even in my pre-draft um, kind of scouting reports and everything like that. And, you know, the one thing I saw was that some, uh, you know, analysts, analysts, I'm sorry, analysts had um, him going as a first-round pick, maybe late first-round pick, and doing, you know, some more reading, it was, it was the injuries that kind of hampered him a little bit. What can you tell us about the injuries maybe he may have suffered at Utah, and was that kind of something that maybe kept him out of the first round? Yeah, you know, based on what on the conversations that I've, I've had with, you know, uh, people in his camp is that, it, you know, it does sound like the injuries 
were a factor in what caused him to slip out of the first round. He uh, he's definitely you know one of the top talents uh, in the draft. There's there's no debating that, and, and he played the entire season with a torn labrum. Um, it, it wasn't anything. It wasn't like a you, you hear torn and you think like it's oh my god it's it's awful, but it was it was a torn, but it wasn't a like uh it, it wasn't terrible like he was able to obviously he was able to manage the pain and that kind of thing and, and deal with it and play through it um and so he's had shoulder injuries throughout his career like he's he's had trouble with his shoulder but you know he's uh he was finally able to get surgery on it uh and he'll be ready to go like this is the thing is like you're getting a guy that's you know he he understands what it's going to take to get his body back to where it needs to be with his shoulder so He'll be ready to go. Uh, he's he's going. He's working through his rehab. He'll be fine, and uh, he's you know he's all systems go. You know, according to what I've been told. That's good news. Uh, definitely good news. You know about his game. He, to me, he looks like a physical cornerback. Um, I think he's very versatile with man and zone coverage. He mentioned to us that kind of you know he, he's okay with playing either the left or right side. I believe he played primarily the left side um, at Utah. Here in Chicago, we have Kyle Fuller as our number one defensive back, and, and he primarily plays that side. What can you kind of tell us about his game as a defensive back? Is it more physical? Is it more technique? Um, anything you can touch on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jalen Johnson, the biggest thing with him is, yeah, he's he's going to be physical. He's going to be, um, you know, he's going to get his hands on receivers at the line of scrimmage, and he's going to disrupt. Um, you know, he's – He's a very good athlete. I wouldn't say he's the most fluid athlete. Uh, he is he is fluid and he is explosive. Like that's that's the thing is you don't have to worry about his athleticism. Um, but uh, he he needs to be physical at the line of scrimmage. He's got to win. Uh, but he's very comfortable in off ball situations. So whether that be man or whether that be zone, like that's the attractive thing about Jalen is is he's not just a one trick pony where you know, he's, he's a press man guy. He can play off the ball. He can play, you know, in zone coverage uh, and, and can be equally as effective there. But Jalen Johnson is at his best when he's able to, to get up on the line of scrimmage um, and get his hands on guys uh, because he is just that physical of a guy where he's, he's going to throw off the timing and, and that kind of thing. So, um, with his game, like at Utah, they'll they'll use a variety of schemes. They'll play, you know, cover one man, press man, off man. Uh, they'll go cover three, where uh, Jalen will be lined up in a press, and he'll bail out of that. So press bell covers as well. So he's very uh, familiar and very comfortable in a variety of different um, coverages and techniques. Uh, and I think that's where you know Bear fans have to be excited about that. Is this is a guy where you know, you can use him in a variety of ways. And, and with the defense there in Chicago, and you're more familiar, I was trying to watch film on the Bears before we got, uh, before we uh, hopped on with you, but I uh, wasn't able to get around to it. But I know the Bears, obviously, you're, you're very, very physical. Like, that's the thing that you know about the Chicago Bears is, you know, you're going to have to bring it. And that's exactly, you know, what Jalen, you know, he adds that to to the defense secondary as well as like, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get punched here and there. He's going to be physical with you. But uh, I think the thing that I love most about Jalen, you know, in terms of his game is how quickly he learns. Um, Throughout 2018, there were moments where he would get beat on double moves. uh, And 
you know, if, if you watched any of his tape this past year, you saw his improvement in that area where he, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily bite on, on the double move, but understood what was coming and, uh, and, and played it with the right technique where he plants his foot, he turns his hips and, you know, he's going with the receiver as well. So I think his ability to, uh, to be coached up to learn and how quickly he processes that from you know the film room and the position meeting rooms to on the field application I think is is very very impressive he can learn uh, and, and apply it very very quickly and I think you know in the NFL you kind of take that for granted is you expect these professional athletes to just be ready to go but you know they're they're learning um, a bunch in their early years and I think that's one thing that Jalen uh, is is going to do uh, um, and is going to be really efficient at is learning the game at that level. Uh, and, you know, he'll be effective in a variety of, of different coverages and techniques. Uh, so really, really love the fit there in Chicago with Jalen. And, and he's got the game to be really, really good. Yeah, I got a chance to watch a little bit of his tape. Um, you know, a couple of them that stood out, especially the Washington game. Uh, mm -hmm. there was a play where I believe it was Eason threw it to the left, left flat, and he read it perfectly, brought it home for a pick six. That was kind of the play that stood out to me. Is Was there any tape that you'd consider maybe his best game in his three years at Utah? Yeah, you know, I would say the the Oregon 2018 game when Utah was at home uh, versus Oregon. Um, Dylan Mitchell, uh, so Utah um, – Utah's offense really struggled in that game and it was up to the defense to bring to, to you know for you it was up to the defense to win that game for Utah and so Jalen Johnson uh was just had his uh, just a phenomenal game uh was matched up you know and followed Dylan Mitchell in that second half and really shut him down he I think he had something like 100 yards more than 100 yards in the first half of that game uh, and and Jalen, I can't remember the exact number, but Jalen really limited him um, the rest of the game once Utah made the adjustment to allow Jalen to follow him. So Oregon 2018, if you want to watch some tape there, the Washington game is really good. And then also Stanford of 2018, uh, because Stanford is, is, you know, they're a team. They've got those bigger receivers, right? The J.J. Arcega-Whitesides, who, you know, plays for the Eagles. Uh, you know, they've got bigger receivers. And Jalen, you know, Jalen was a bully in that game and, and really kind of had his way. He had another pick six, a, a hundred yard pick six in that game, actually. So if you want to watch some games, definitely the Washington game of 2019, um, the Oregon game of 2018 and Stanford of 2018. Those are probably the three that stand out the most uh, to me in terms of getting a feel for Jalen Johnson and what he's about as a cornerback. Perfect, man. I really appreciate it, Steve. Um, if everyone, if you could tell everyone where they can follow you on Twitter at. Yeah, you can follow me, sbartle247. For all you Bear fans, if you want to ask me some questions on Twitter, I'm more than happy to, to take some time and answer some questions. So, again, that's sbartle, S-B-A-R-T-L-E-247. Uh, follow me on Twitter. You can also hit me up at youthzone.com. I appreciate the time, man. We'll have to do it again. Maybe uh, do a, a Q&A article-wise uh, for the website as well. Yeah, for sure. No problem. Whatever I can do to help you guys. Awesome. Thanks again. Welcome back in here to the Bearport Podcast. That was Steve Bartle of UteZone.com, 24-7 sports site that covers Utah athletics. Uh, it's a great insight on 
new Bears defensive back Jalen Johnson. If you want more full draft coverage from our podcast, make sure to check out the Picks for Pace podcast here on the Bear Report Radio Network. Those guys did a great job breaking down every single pick um, on their last episode. They're going to have some interviews as well on other prospects. Um, we're here, though, to wrap our show up. Aaron, thanks again for joining me. Um, hopefully we'll talk again soon. I don't know how much more news there's going to be here in this offseason. As we mentioned earlier, you know, the virtual programs are kind of kicking in, but we'll get together. We'll find something to talk about on the Bears. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report at Just Bear Report on Twitter. We'll be back hopefully next week for a brand new episode, if not the week after. Um, maybe the Bears will make some more signings, uh, fill out their roster, which currently stands at 88, get it to 90, and the virtual offseason programs will continue. Till then, everyone stay safe. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Bear Report podcast on all major podcasting platforms. And we'll talk to you next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.